0: Asia Tech Podcast, voice of the Asian tech ecosystem.
1: Good morning, this is Asia Tech Podcast. We today are at Singapore Poly, the Singapore Poly Entrepreneurship Center spin-off. I'm going to introduce you to the people who make spin-off possible, who support the startups and the educational community here in Singapore. Um, We are on the Asia Tech podcast tour of startup ecosystems. So if you've caught any of the other tours, you will know that there are startups out there who get all the limelight. But behind those startups, there are the people who support them. Accelerators, programs, incubators, co-working spaces, and so on. So who are the unsung heroes of the Asian startup ecosystem? Let me introduce two of them today. Sitting around the table here at Spinoff, we have Nilesh and Raphael. Welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Graham. Good morning to you. Good morning, Graham. Let's do the quick introduction round, Robin. So who are you and where are you from, and how how did you get into this? Then we'll talk a little bit about spin-off, what you do here, and curious as well about the kind of startups that you have here and the people that come onto the program, you know, a little bit about your program, Mm -hmm. and also the challenges in growing startups here in a successful economy like Singapore. so maybe we can start with yourself. Sure. You're a startup entrepreneur originally, right? So. Yeah. Um, I have a checkered history.
2: Uh, I started off uh, actually with uh, sound engineering and music production for 15 years before I decided enough was enough. And then I started my first uh, company. Uh, I had an exit. Uh, I went to work for corporate uh, in India. Uh, we actually, in fact, at that point set up uh, one of the biggest film schools uh, in India. I did that for about six years and then came here mm. to Singapore. Um set up two more startups here, um, which were successfully uh, successful and exited from there. And then the, f- the fourth one failed. Uh, and actually, it was because of that that I got um, into Singapore Polytechnic. Uh, because at that point, I was quite desperate to kind of get into something, mm. uh, which would help me pay my monthly bills. Um, so that's how I got into Singapore Polytechnic. And at that point, I got in as a lecturer to teach... Uh, um, music production. Uh, I did that for two years before I moved into entrepreneurship uh, and I uh, started developing this particular program uh, for uh, what is now known as the School of Computing uh, where we developed uh, an entrepreneurship program across a period of three years and it's that program now which has morphed into spin-off as
1: uh, the Entrepreneurship Centre. Great and it's a very honest story as well isn't it that when we talk about startups we often talk about success Mm. that's what's celebrated in the news Mm. in the media and you shared if i can sort of talk about it now off tape a personal story as well about you've actually been here so i think the point is is that you empathize with startup founders you understand the frustrations and the pain and the risk involved right you're not just an academic teaching Mm. entrepreneurship right? right and being a musician you know you love music you love your instruments as well And mm-hmm. you had to sell your guitars yeah to fund your failure how was that can we talk a little bit about that because i think if we can just give some prominence to that it really shows that you are you know you walk the walk
2: well it's a very lonely journey when you're fail- when you're when you're failing um uh, okay um, um it, it's 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 uh, not something that i wish on anybody uh, especially, you know, the thing is, once you start uh, having success stories early on, you tend to get too overconfident about what, what you can do and what you can't. Um, and that was the, the, the case with me. I, was, I feel, uh, in hindsight, I was just way too overconfident about my abilities in managing the cash flow and stuff. And we mm-hmm. just got into some bad uh, issues. Uh, luckily for me, uh, the people that I was working with at that point uh, were nice enough to understand that this was something that uh, you know happens with startups uh, from from time to time uh, i'm still very good you know friends with them in that sense uh, but but you're right i had to sell off a lot of gear uh, and uh, you know i, I used to, those days i used to collect two things i used to collect vintage guitars and i used to collect vintage wine and um, because i had a pretty in you know, a large uh, collection um, that came in handy to pay off a lot of uh, bills mm. that uh, that i owed people um, to make matters worse, uh, that was the same time when I was actually going through a divorce as well. Mm. Uh, so it was a double whammy, literally. In the span of about three weeks, my company wow. failed, and then the divorce uh, thing came in. Uh, so it was a very painful uh, time, a uh, very tough time. But it also made me realize uh, who my friends are, mm. uh, the real friends. Uh, and um, it also made me realize that... Uh, Things can only get better from this point. Mm. Uh, I guess that mindset is very important. Uh, if if I had a very weak mindset, I would have probably ended up in in um, you know clinic somewhere uh, being treated for depression. Yeah. Uh, but the way I took it was basically okay. You know, this is it. Uh, this is as low as it can get. What else can can uh, happen beyond that? So the only way to kind of look at it is okay. You know, how do I start crawling back up? Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a it's a painful journey. It's a it's a lonely journey, mm. uh, but it also will teach you so many things about your life, your own self. It, you know, you probably get to understand about mm. who you are as a person, mm. which I think is very very important. And I and, I, and that's why I'm a firm believer in startups failing early, so that they can learn from those mistakes
1: and then move forward. Yeah, and how important that is. And. Really telling it as it is as well. Mm. So setting people's expectations mm. about what startup life is like. Yeah. One of the things I tell people is that I haven't picked up a paycheck for I haven't picked up the last two hundred and forty paychecks, which is twenty years. Mm. You know, every month I've had to hustle. Mm. You know, I haven't had the, the security of somebody saying, This month you're gonna get paid X. Mm. Twenty years of that. And when I tell people startup founders who are just starting out in the journey that some of them you can see it's ticking over thinking oh what am I getting into here and once you're in you're in and then you have these successes I can imagine that must be a challenge isn't it because now you think well I could do anything here yeah Yeah. and I suppose young people they watch movies like the social network and they see young people raising billions it looks pretty easy right
2: but it's not and in, in fact in fact the thing um the most difficult thing for me was primarily uh, that when I failed, uh, I was in my mid thirties, uh, and that's the time when, especially in Asian families, you know we we tend to kind of see okay, in mid thirties you should be settled by right, then. Right,
1: right. you should have worked out by now. Right.
2: So, so the thing is that you know it's it's a little bit more challenging, especially when you've got you know uh, bills to pay, you've got yeah. kids to send to school, and you don't know when your next you know uh, paycheck is going to come from. Right. Uh, and to me, it it was a situation where I literally. Did not know how I'm going to buy, uh, you know, uh, school supplies for my for my kid. Mm. Um, and uh, I had two friends who actually stepped forward to help me out. And uh, it was primarily because of their help that I survived for six months. Because on my own, I just could not have managed it. Mm. And I'm very thankful for that.
1: Wow. It's a good story. Th- there's a great quote by um, Mike Tyson. He says, everybody has a plan until mm. they get punched in the face. Yeah. So, startup life can be cruel sometimes, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I think that's the beauty of it as well. Is that successes then are really real successes? You've worked for everything yourself. Mm-hmm. You've created that, and I think that is really what we want to get out as well. That whole sort of mindset. We talk. We talk a bit about spin off and what you do to help promote the mm-hmm. entrepreneurial mindset here, because it's there's a technical information that you can teach about startups building an MVP, all that sort of stuff. But there's also the mindset stuff as well. So I'm, I'm really glad that you shared an honest story as well. Nilesh, Raphael sitting around the table. Your story is a little bit different. How did you come to spin off?
0: All right. Um, well, th- a little bit similar in a, in a certain way to uh, Nilesh. Um, previous uh, entrepreneur turned entrepreneurial educator. Um, I actually started my journey in Australia, Melbourne, mm. Australia. So I started it while I was still a student, so in a way I can uh, I can affiliate to how our uh, young entrepreneurs here feel like during the day, uh, their daily grind. I started it while I was doing my undergrad, um, I saw opportunities in uh, home-moving businesses. Um, students were, international students were always, uh, for some reason, moving houses, you know, every semester they always had a place to move, so they needed to go somewhere else and, and so on, so... I saw an opportunity there and uh, I started my first fleet of vehicles and then I moved on to a human resource business. So um, my, my experience there in, in Australia was uh, primarily into the services and to the brick and motor. Um, I did my human resource b- uh, business for a while. We brought in trade skills. Uh, we, we pushed them around Melbourne, Australia and uh, Victoria. And after a while, um, that stopped due to a uh, change in government regulations. And I found my way back here in Singapore. Mm-hmm. When I came back to Singapore, I started my, my career in, in education. So I did uh, private teachings, um, private, uh, private universities here. But it was more into business education. And, and I wanted to get very heavily involved in entrepreneurship education. And that's where I found my way um, into uh, Enterprise Development Center in Institute of Technical Education in ITE. Mm-hmm. So I spent quite a good amount of time there um, training our, our ITE students. Um, for those who are unfamiliar with the, with the route of our students, normally in secondary school, they get, uh, they get entrepreneurship education through competitions and, and lecturers and so on. And then after that, um, they they move into junior colleges or they move into polys. But uh, for, for a good 20 over 1,000 uh, students, they go into ITEs first. Now, ITEs are also pushing out uh, entrepreneurship education. And that's where I started my uh, experiences in, in, in teaching uh, entrepreneurs. And um, we were very heavy into brick and mortar. Um, and we were doing uh, startups uh, that were in sports coaching, coaching, uh, hair and hair and beauty and, and so on and uh, I wanted to get more involved into technology and uh, so that's how I found my way into a spin off here mm-hmm. uh, working together with Nilesh and our our tech startups yeah so that's my that's my story um, but obviously the element which I've not mentioned into there is how did I come into Singapore after uh, spending a good uh, decade into in in Australia mm-hmm. so I went through quite a lot of challenges moving from from businesses um I mean, the startup, the startup phase was, was very, very, very challenging. Um, I mean, we all start with limited resources. And at the time, I was still studying. So I had to juggle with my day um, going, to, going to uni. And I also had to juggle with meeting clients and so on. I remember uh, meeting a client. And then after that, uh, I couldn't carry on the meeting further because I had to rush back to class to give my presentation, my end-of-semester presentation. So it was all that. Um, and, you know, t- no man is an island. So when we try and take on staff, obviously, we have to pay them. Um, so there's the bills to pay, there's the staff to pay. So how about the founder? You know, the, oh. Normally, the founder is the one who pays everyone first before paying themselves. <laughs> yeah. So these were, were quite a lot of the challenges that I uh, always that, uh, share with my students. Oh. Um, yeah.
1: Well, let me ask you both about it, this idea of teaching entrepreneurship. Some people would argue you cannot teach it, especially in an educational institution. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Would you agree to some extent, or you know, how do you teach entrepreneurship? Surely, the only way to teach it is to go through the kind of paths that you've been through, and experience the failure. So,
2: um, I would kind of uh, say yes and no. Uh, that uh, entrepreneurship can be taught. Um, it's, it's a yes and no. Yes and no answer. Um, okay. Yes, because there are a few concepts about entrepreneurship that can be taught. Yeah. Uh, for example, you know, um, how do you build a business model? What is a business model? What is a, what is an MVP? What is a lean startup? That can be taught. Um, what can't be taught is the experience. Uh, that is something that the students need to um, feel it for themselves. Mm. So what we do here at Spinoff is primarily um, get students to experience the journey for themselves. The way we've developed the program teaches them all that they need to do in terms of the concepts. Um, But at the same time, they have to really roll up their sleeves, get their hands dirty, and start up. Um, And uh, we expect them to fail. Um, And we expect them to go through the challenges that uh, any startup founder would, you know, the pains that any Hmm. startup founder would would, would actually go through uh, in an academic setting. Uh, So how do we do that? Um, for for starters, we've opened up the program to all students on campus. Um, I personally believe that entrepreneurship is a great equalizer, and it doesn't matter what your background is or what you know field of study that you're you're part of. This is something that is very essential, and you need to kind of go through it. Um, so we've opened up the program to all faculties. Um, And we work very, very closely with uh, a business school here on campus uh, who actually manage this entire program. Um, So we we have this entrepreneurship at SP, uh, you know, uh, committee that oversees all the uh, entrepreneurship-related activities on Mm. campus. And uh, so business school runs the academic program for our full-time students. And what they do is basically um, through the period of 15 weeks, uh, they match students into multidisciplinary teams of four. The students don't come in with a business idea. We don't care for a business idea. What we care for is a problem which mm. they feel strongly about and they want to solve. So we we, we we teach them on how do you identify problems and convert them into opportunities. That can be taught. So once we teach that, then they have to apply. So then they apply this in their own little four people group, uh, which they call their own startup. And mm-hmm. each each of the students is given a role, so CTO, CFO, C, you know CEO, so on and so forth. Um, through the journey of fifteen weeks, they literally have to convert that problem statement mm-hmm. into a product, into a business model, into a full three-year financial, uh, you know, uh, revenue model, uh, into a pitch, uh, and the pitch is eventually done on demo day to real investors. Mm-hmm. So we call in. You know, actual investors. So we've got uh, space ventures coming in. We've got investable coming in. We have seed ventures. Uh, You know, they come in, and they they. It's it's pretty much like Shark Tank. And we tell them, please don't treat our students with kid gloves. Mm. Give it to them. If you think that this is not, uh, you know, if you think it's a waste of your time, then you the students should know why it is a waste of your time. Um, But along the 15 weeks, the students don't come to a classroom. Um, All the learning happens online. But every single week, they are supposed to meet up with mentors. So we assign uh, 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 mentors to uh, to each group. Uh, each group has one academic mentor, and then they have access to a- mentors from the industry, depending on what kind of business vertical they're part of. Um, so through those 15 weeks, then they experience mm. uh, what it takes to become an entrepreneur. Because when we talk about validation... Uh, of whatever they are doing. Say, for example, if they've built a business model, uh, then the next challenge for them is, okay, you've built a business model, you've understood what a business model is. Um, Let's see if you can get it validated. So typically in an academic situation, what happens is uh, students will put up uh, uh, a survey monkey Mm. thing on Facebook and get their friends to answer. And they'll come back and say, oh, I want 90% validation. Mm. That's not how we work. We actually get them to go out, uh, find their customers, find their stakeholders, interview them on video uh, and come back and you know analyze it um, and then decide whether this has been validated or not in the wild in the wild yeah and yeah, they have to absolutely. literally go out there and so they are literally you know uh, for for somebody who's 17 18 19 years old mm. to go out there and talk to people mm. who they don't know uh, and not just talk to them but to reach out to them on their own and you know ask for permission to, to kind of interview them. It's a big task, especially here in Singapore. Especially I mean, here in, in Singapore. the US, for example, yeah, everybody's trained to do that from yeah. a young age, right? So over here, it's a, it's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, you know, we literally push them to do this, yeah. Um, and 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 because our program is an academic program for our full time students, um, we have to make sure that it is also you know there's a grading uh, system uh, as part of it um, because this does show up on their on their transcripts. Mm-hmm. Uh, But the grading system is not based on whether you can get funded or whether you can go to market. The grading system is based on, you know, how good your validation is. Have you really gone out there out of your comfort zone to really, you know... Hustle. Hustle. Um, You know, so that's what the grading is based on. And along the the journey, we we do see students
1: who really have a knack for it. Right. Well, this is what I want to ask you because this is a, a key question here is that, you know, on our show, we sit mostly with corporate dropouts. So, of a certain age, with a certain experience, and a certain background. Yet, we don't get students on our show. So, what does it take to become an entrepreneur and a successful one? And those who take to it. it if you were to sit with a, a new batch, you know, your new cohort comes in, and let's say there's there's ten people sitting around the table. What, what qualities are the are displayed of the ones that you think if you had to back them without seeing their business plan or even hearing them, you know, like their pitch or anything, what are the qualities that they bring to the table? Can you identify that? Having seen a number of batches now, are you seeing patterns and saying, yeah, all right, what do you see? One word
2: hunger. How hungry are you? That's what's important. Uh, I mean, you know, a lot of people say it's passion, right. uh, passion's great. It's 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 a good point to start with passion, but passion is not going to feed you. What's the difference between hunger and passion? Okay, passion So right? so uh, let me let me go back into uh, say um, photography. I'm I'm big time into photography these yeah. days. I'm really passionate about it. I you know spend every weekend uh, going out taking you know photos, street photography. Uh, but if I want to if I if I wanted photography to pay my bills, hmm. I needed to be hungry enough to work in that environment full time so that it pays my bills so startups at the end of the day it's all about hunger yes passion gets you started hmm. no doubt about it but the sustainability happens because of hunger
1: but how, how do you have that hunger when you know mom and dad you're know, underwriting your existence here hmm. at the polytechnic like any educational institution right well, well
2: it's it's not true a uh, lot of students here uh, don't have their education Uh, paid for by the moment that sometimes it's uh, through scholarships sometimes Mm. it's it's through other means Um, it's it's a misconception that all parents uh, are able to to support their uh, the studies Mm. Uh, there are of course the majority are uh, supported fully fully supported by their by their parents but not uh, not a few Mm. Uh, but having said that um, it all boils down to the personal uh, you know the, the individual as well right Um, There are people, uh, and I can give you so many examples of my past students. Uh, I'll give you a great example of one of my students called Clinton. Um, You know, I met him in the first year. And right on the very first day before, you know, as soon as we finished the introductions and, you know, he he got up and he was introducing himself. And he said, um, uh, I joined this course primarily because I want to be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You don't hear that no. from, from a 17 He's already got a kid. goal and He's a, already a clear got a vision goal. of
1: what he wants to become. Yeah,
2: so so then it is like, you know, when you ask how old, him... How old is he? He was about 17. 17. Yeah. And then you when you ask him, like, why do you want to be an entrepreneur? Of course, you know, it's like, oh, because I've seen Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. Right, and, right. you know, I want to be my own boss and I want to make a lot of money. So it's a, it's a whole glamorization bit of it. So then I know that this guy has a goal, but the... You know, the reason for why he wants to be an entrepreneur may be be not entirely correct. I mean, yes, everybody wants to make money, but that should not be the starting point. So then it is up to us to mold them, to mentor them, to put them on the right track. Eventually, this particular kid went on to win uh, the Bronze Award in the the Youth uh, Entrepreneurship uh, Award uh, two years back, I think. Mm. I think a year or two years back. He's got funded. He's got his own startup, and uh, he's doing fine. In fact, he's now the president of uh, Edge, which is the youth entrepreneurship wing at uh, at Ace. Yeah, and he's you know he's he's a, he's a student that we worked with. Uh, so there are these kind of students who, and, and he comes from a very good background, you know. Uh, so so there are these kind of students who, who actually make that difference. Hmm. I've got one one group here at the moment, uh, um, and and again, the, the, the students are pretty well off. They don't need to do this. But it's the hunger. They yeah, want to yeah. do this because they want to show it to their parents, their right, friends. Right. That it listen. might not be a
1: financial thing. It might be an emotional, emotional hunger, thing, right. yeah. Or a social hunger, yeah. whatever it may be. Yeah, people have different motivations. Yes. Right. And we've got one one particular student here who
2: actually asked to get into this team because her her entire team um, decided that they they don't they don't have the stomach for this. Right. And uh, so we said, okay, fine. You know, uh, we don't force anybody to get into 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 entrepreneurship. Um, so after they finished their 15-week program, the the, the team kind of collapsed. But this particular student, she came to me, she said, said, you know, is there any other team that is really looking to get into entrepreneurship I would love to work with them? And she doesn't need to do this. Mm. Uh, And she's part of a team now that has just received a term sheet last week.
1: Mm. So, hunger. Yeah, absolutely. And the right people will rise to the the occasion, right? I think at the end of the day, people will get knocked back people won't have access to resources that other people may have but eventually the right people will come through right and I guess what you're doing here apart from the actual tools that you're equipping people with which is like for example you talk about you may train them in term sheets or you know what's a convertible note something like that beyond that you're surrounding them with good people because if you're an entrepreneur You're on the margins already of society, right? Because that's you've chosen to play by your own rules or a different set of rules, right? Therefore, you know, you're maybe 10%. I don't know what the numbers are. You're maybe 10% of society. But if that's the case, then you're not surrounded by people who think like you. So to create a space where people, especially when they're young, I mean, how important that is, you know, when you're young, you want to be part of a group, you don't want to be on the outside, how important those social pressures are. So when you create spin-off, you're not just giving people the tools, you're giving them a space yeah. and an understanding that actually it's okay to think and be like this yeah. because the, the case study examples, these, these young students, right, if they were then went into the quote-unquote normal world they may have been thinking, oh, I'm a bit different. I think differently about business or life or career. And everybody else around me, they're thinking about, you know, getting a safe job and all that kind of stuff and being stable. And yet I'm thinking about this. Am I a bit weird? Am I different? And then they sort of edit themselves, don't right. they, and become sort of like more like the mainstream. So
2: so this is what I tell my, my, my student participants, right? So basically it is at this age... If you start up, what what do you have to lose? Hmm. Um, the risk factor for you is next to nothing, because your parents most likely are paying your bills, um, and when you work here uh, as part of spinoff, we don't charge you you know rent for the co-sharing space. Uh, your marketing costs are subsidized substantially because it's a school program, um, and uh, you know we give you access to all the, the mentors that otherwise you would have to go and struggle to find yourself and you know we give you access to the investment partners again uh, otherwise who would have you would have had to go and find yourself hmm. so and even if you fail at the end of it all uh, you can still say okay fine i can go to university and you know hmm. do something else or i can go and find a 9 to 5 and do something else uh, the the point being that if you fail early uh, the cost of failure is a lot less yeah uh, unlike when i failed when in my in my mid 30s that was total panic and chaos you know i mean i i had the the stress of how am i going to pay my my bills yeah these kids don't have that challenges yeah and uh, that's why it's important for them to try this out because they have nothing to lose yeah well
1: let's also talk about that because i imagine that as would be with any program only a percentage of people actually become startup entrepreneurs long term or their startup is successful i mean one in six startups make it through 12 months everybody else is going to fail. That's part of how it is. That's the law of the jungle, right? Yeah. And let's talk about those that don't become startup entrepreneurs because you know, last week we were at level three, which is a partnership between Unilever and the startup world. And how much money corporates now are throwing at their people to become more startup-like. So there's a whole world out there who they're not in startups, but they're thinking like startups, but they work you know, corporate jobs, entrepreneurs, or these people that corporates are now saying you have to be more agile, or think lean or at the end of the day, it's do more with less, right? You know, you don't have these huge budgets. So let's talk about those as well, because I imagine a, a, a chunk of your your batch go into corporate. So it's not all loss. Actually, it's a real bonus, isn't it? Because now corporates are seeking out people with this sort of mindset. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the one of the
0: things that uh, that uh, make these programs stand up, make spin off stand up, is uh, is I mean to to answer also a question you asked previously, you know about our student startups and so on. One of the one of the main things is rejection. So you see, here's the difference: you have student startups who or students who try to startups, um, and then they, they they get into the world of entrepreneurship. Now in shells what? primarily happens sometimes is they get involved in competitions or they get involved in education and the pitching itself and so on. But they don't really get uh, involved in rejection when mm. they try to validate. So rejection makes a person stronger. Rejection makes all our startups stronger. In order for our, for our students to go through our program, complete our program, we put them in front of real VCs, real investors. And, and every question or every time they are in front of VCs and investors, they always ask the same question, how do you validate it? Mm. And like Nilesh was saying, you know, do we, the the validation techniques that we teach them is not just to get secondary information. They actually have to go out, speak to the customer, whoever they have identified as a customer, or, or so on, or who is going to give them revenue. They they approach them and they ask questions. They try and do a sale, and quite a lot of times um, you never get the sale in the first in the first instance, and they have to to come back and they and have to think and re-strategize again. Is this really that? Their, their target market because some of the questions coming back is, it's, it's, it's quite enlightening for them. Mm-hmm. So so the rejection is the one that uh, that that really trains them to to. To um, that that puts them ahead, uh, especially when you know if they choose not to become entrepreneurs and they and they go and look for employment next time, yeah, they would have gone through this first before anything else. They make them more resistant.
1: Rejection. Yeah. There is a great book called Rejection Therapy. Yeah, okay, uh, yeah. I thoroughly yeah. recommend it. If you if you have students who are hungry for this kind of material, yeah, it's amazing. It's about a guy who a hundred days every day. He's an entrepreneur. All right, he forces himself to get rejected. Okay, All right. so he will yeah. walk in, knock on somebody's house, on, on the door, and said, um, "Can I plant a, a flower in your front garden?" Like just a random stranger, yeah. just so he can get rejected. Right, getting over that because you know, especially if you go into the world of corporates, you, you're rarely mm. in the situation where you are ha- you're, you're naked and vulnerable yeah. in the world in the wild again out there, right? Yeah, but yeah. to get over that. And get through it and realize, actually, I, I didn't get eaten alive here. Yeah.
2: You know, you know. so right. I, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm into street photography and, you know, we get rejected all the times because, right. you know, you, you go up to random people on the street and say, you know, can I take a portrait of, your sh- of you know, of, of you because I find mm. your face very interesting or whatever. And 90% of the <laughs> time always you get, get rejected. Get.
1: Right. Right. So, yeah. What's I'm, it like the first time you have to do that? daunting yeah. but uh,
2: but the thing is it also teaches you next time it becomes you know you become more and more comfortable with it yeah and it's the same thing with our students the more they go through it then they become very comfortable with it um and and the thing is the ones who start up start up but the ones who don't we what we are also seeing uh, a trend is that these are the students who are actually when they go out for interviews for job interviews they're the ones who are getting hired quickly mm. because they understand what a company needs to survive Right, Absolutely. they un- they 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 understand how do you identify problems for your customers, how do you sell a product to a customer, how do you build a business model, how do you build a sales and marketing strategy, how do you build your entire financial model. There's a lot of empathy that these kids have for working for somebody mm. else mm. because they understand
1: what the founder is going through. Absolutely, yeah. yeah, and then they're not sort of approaching it in a passive way. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, whatever you teach them here, that sort of converting them from very passive learning Mm. to active learning. Yeah. And like going out and doing and like pitching VCs, real VCs for real money. For real money. Yeah. And, you know, and facing rejection and, you know, going out there and building this stuff hands on, how important those skills are. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't think, you know, until you actually go into the world of corporate, you realize how missing these skills are, right? Yeah. You know, I
0: used to, to have a, a student group. They were, they were really good. You know, they, they won competitions. They were very good at pitching. Um, they could present. I mean, they could really present. Um, their business model was to actually collect recycled glass bottles. And then after that, they would slum them and make it into uh, plates, right? So, um, in order to, to validate, uh, in order to face rejection, in order to do sales, we told them, I said, okay, go to Boat Key and go to Clucky. Go to every pub and bar in there and walk in and try and sell your plate. Yeah. So they did that for two weekends and they did not get a sale. They were shivering. They realized that in a classroom or in a lecture hall, they were great at presenting.
1: How important this is. is, You know, we all remember that kid from school who got like three A's or five A's as a straight A student. But as soon as they left school and they went into the world of work, I mean, they got a, a good job, but you see them 10, 15 years on, they're still there, still doing that thing. They haven't moved on, right? Yeah,
2: you know, very interesting story about this. So, you know, I, I mentioned earlier about one of our students, Clinton, uh, who you know now is uh, the president at, at Edge. Um, he wasn't a very great student. I mean, you know, he's getting his uh, Cs and Ds mm. and that kind of stuff. Uh, but when at the graduation time, he was a valedictorian because the things that he did outside of classroom was just tremendous. Mm. Uh, you know, collectively, when you look at what he's done compared to the entire cohort, uh, you know, the, the list of things that he's done is just amazing, yeah. And and so, these are the kind of things you know. And and I see a lot of uh students uh in our in our office, they may be they may, they may not be excellent students, mm. Mm. Uh, but to us, it doesn't really matter because they are the ones who are out there getting things done. Mm. Um, and and it's, it's very true, you know, if you if you look at What's happening out there in the corporate world, uh, chances are that, yes, the, the, the scholars do get, um, you know, the, the better jobs, uh, I, you know, immediately. Uh, but that doesn't mean that the others who were not scholars
1: cannot succeed. Yeah. You know, where there's a will, there's a way. Absolutely. And yeah. a lot of your students, there's definitely away yeah. right yeah. for them to, to find a way. yeah exactly and, and hopefully that's what you teach yeah. them as well what is your hope for programs like this you know um, talk about first in, in the context of Singapore Poly you know where this goes long term with spin-off what, what do you hope this becomes mm-hmm. because obviously you know you are pioneering in a space as well and everybody's trying to work out I mean Higher education is trying to work out how to make themselves more relevant, how to bridge that gap into the startup world and the corporate world. So first of all, let's talk about the context of spin-off where you are now, long-term. What do you hope this becomes? And then also, you know, on a, on a broader plane outside of Singapore as well, across Asia, because this is a real challenge, isn't it? And we go to the US and they seem to be ahead in terms of, create, you know, you got to Stanford, for example. It's right in the heart of Silicon Valley. Here in Asia, you know, we also have become a victim of our own success in a little bit. We've had very fast, high-growth economies, you know, family attitudes towards career, the safety and security of career and so on. What do you hope this does in terms of creating more relevant skills long-term? So let's talk about Singapore Poly and spin-off first. Five years from now, what will this look like? What do you hope? Well, I can already see it it changing and
2: growing um, a lot faster than what I had hoped for. Um, so, for example, uh, last year we also launched uh, the same program as a CET program for adults, working adults, uh, because we realized that there are a lot of uh, adults who are out there who are looking for a career change, mm. uh, who are looking to start up uh, new, new businesses, but they don't know how. Or uh, they probably cannot get into the other, you know, accelerator programs which are out there in the, mar- in, the in the in the in Singapore at the moment. Um, and the big challenge for them is, you know, how do you start up at this at this age? Um, so we want to provide a platform for them to actually try to, you know, whatever whatever you have in your in your mind, uh, try before you you know talk to say somebody like a Y combinator mm-hmm. or five hundred startups. Um, so we want to be that platform the, the, which, which creates the pipeline into the other bigger programs uh, where they can test everything out at, at a cost which is negligible. Uh, we don't take equity. We don't touch IP. Everything belongs to uh, the founders. Uh, but um, we also provide uh, the founders with a facility which allows them not just to learn but also to experiment. Uh, we give them you know, access to co-sharing spaces. And we give them access to uh, building prototypes here on campus. And it's all part of a fee. They don't pay anything extra beyond that. Um, so that's within Singapore. I mean, we, we really hope to be that, uh, you know, centerpiece for people who have no other option to really learn about how do you start up. Mm. And we are uh, industry agnostic. We don't really, it doesn't matter to us whether tech-enabled or non-tech-enabled startup it doesn't really matter. We will support and help anybody who wants to try. Um At a regional level, uh, we've already started building uh, what uh, we hope uh, will be the largest entrepreneurship education network across Asia-Pacific. So I'm building this thing called Lexicon by Spinoff, uh, which is a a network of all the institutes of higher learning across the region who come together to offer programs that are in line with what we are doing here. So what happens is I basically reach out to uh, academic partners around the region we offer them our 15-week uh, business acceleration program, um, and uh, we train their trainers to to deliver the same pedagogy the way we are delivering it here in uh, in Singapore. We help them build their own uh, incubation and co-working spaces under the brand name of uh, Lexicon by Spinoff, um, and we give them access. and We, uh, in partnership with them, we build a mentoring network and an investment partner network in that region. Um, and we're doing this literally across mm. Asia Pacific. Um, at this very moment, we have close to about uh, seven to eight uh, partners uh, across the country, I mean, ac- across the continent. We have about 15,000 students who go through our program every 15 weeks. And that number is only growing. And we hope to hit uh, almost uh, 100,000 students by the end of this year mm-hmm. and possibly half a million by next year. Mm-hmm. Um and the reason we are doing this is because we hope that Spinoff becomes the epicenter of youth entrepreneurship eventually. Uh, we are doing this because we understand that entrepreneurship is where it's at. Um, if you look at countries outside of Singapore, whether it's Indonesia, Vietnam, India, Philippines, uh, there is so much of potential and, this, and the, the, the youth out there is hungry for opportunities. Um but they don't know where to start, and we want to give them that that hope that hey, listen, anybody can do this, and we can show you how. Um, and if they suc- if they succeed, so do we. Um, again, we don't take equity, uh, no. we don't touch IP. Everything belongs to the to the founders. Uh, we just give them a platform for them to try out their crazy ideas, and uh, and see whether they you know they want to they want to move this, move them forward. But they have a stomach for it, because at the end of the day. If you look at China, India, and ASEAN, uh, that's the biggest market that there is. Yeah. And we want to be at the center of the youth education uh, and entrepreneurship education specifically uh, you know, in this market. Well,
1: let's put the call out there. If, if anybody is watching or listening who is in that space, higher education in Asia, mm-hmm. and needs to talk to somebody about who can, who can help them onboard a program like this, mm-hmm. what's the best way they can reach out? How do they get in touch with you?
2: Oh, very simple. They can send an email to either Rafael or me, yeah. uh, and uh, we will get back to them within 24 hours.
1: Excellent. Yeah. And is there any sort of pre-qualification for that? Are there particular, you know, can any higher education institute reach out?
2: Or? Any uh, higher education institution that is willing to uh, open up its program to right. all their students uh, from all disciplines, um, we are more than welcome uh, to, to kind of contact us. Great. Yep.
0: If you want to walk in physically, uh, we are at Spinoff Centre, Singapore Polytechnic, uh, Block T19333. <laughs> we'll put all the details in the show notes.
1: <laughs> Gentlemen, Nilesh and Raphael, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing Likewise. Thank a bit, you. bit about your background and also the vision here for Spinoff. Anything we can do to support youth entrepreneurship and what you're doing here and the work you're doing, um, you know, be happy to work with you at some point. Get the name out there as a starting point because I'm sure there may may just be one or two people who just happen to be right there on the radar at that time, but just reach out. We'll put the details so that you can do that and just say hello as an introduction. Say, hey, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm trying to do. Let's talk. Mm -hmm. That's the starting point, isn't it? It doesn't have to go through very convoluted academic channels. You can just reach out to people directly.
2: And at the same time, I would just like to kind of uh, say one more thing is that if if you're a working adult in Singapore and if you're looking to kind of start up, Uh, please do contact us there's a lot of things that we can do to uh, help you guys Um, not just uh, you know connecting you to our networks but uh, to actually help you build a product and build a a validated business model so do reach out to us we'll be more than happy to help you
0: our program is also a skills switcher funded yeah um, yeah. so if you're 40 and above and um, you are Singapore citizen or PR you know, the price you pay to join our CET program is uh, about $400 yeah that's
1: about 10% of it, isn't yeah. It? Yeah. yeah I mean that's a big deal yeah alright thoroughly enjoyable thank you so much for your thank time you. this morning and um, you know you're welcome here at Singapore Pollion spin-off This is Graham Brown from Asia Tech Podcast. We are on the Pitch Deck Asia tour of startup ecosystems in Asia. If you run a program, an accelerator, an incubator, or even a fund, reach out. We would love to talk to you and shine a spotlight on your work.
2: You've been listening to Asia Tech Podcast. Find out more at ATP.show.